find your place or I'd have you stand. I'll read some of the scripture here. I believe the Lord has something very timely for us today. And I'm glad you came to church. I know the weather's kind of, well, it's Michigan. What do you expect, right? Amen. It's Michigan in February and all the rest. Let's begin here reading in verse number 11. The Bible says, And our adversary said, They shall not know, neither see, till we come in the midst among them and slay them, and cause the work to cease. And it came to pass that when the Jews which dwelt by them came, they said unto us ten times, From all places whence ye shall return unto us, they will be upon you. Therefore said I in the lower places behind the wall and on the higher places, I even set the people after their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and rose up and said unto the nobles and unto the rulers and unto the rest of the people, Be not ye afraid of them. Remember the Lord which is great and terrible and fight for your brethren, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your houses. It came to pass when our enemies heard that it was known to us and God had brought their counsel and not that we returned all of us to the wall, even everyone unto his work. And it came to pass from that time forth that half of my servants wrought in the work and the other half of them held both the spears, the shields, and the bows, and the habergeons, and the rulers were behind all the house of Judah. They, they which build on the wall, and they which bear burdens, with those that laid it every one with one of his hands, wrought in the work, and with the other hand held a weapon. For the builders, every one had his sword girded by his side, and so builded, and he that sounded the trumpet was by me. And I said unto the nobles, and to the rulers, and to the rest of the people, The work is great and large, and we are separated upon the wall one far from another. In what place, therefore, ye hear the sound of the trumpet, resort ye thither unto us. Our God shall fight for us. So we labored in the work, and half of them held the spears from the rising of the morning till the stars appeared. Likewise, at the same time, uh, said I unto the people, Let every one with the servant lodge within Jerusalem, that in the night they may be a guard to us and labor on the day. So neither I, nor my brethren, nor my servants, nor the men of the guard which followed me, none of us put off our clothes, saying that everyone put them off for washing. I thank the Lord for that. Amen. <laughs> what a great passage before us today. I feel like the church is going to do a flip here. I'm to the left side, but I'm glad you all came. Brother Bob, would you ask the Lord's help in the preaching today? Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. <clears throat> now, part of the Christian life, as you well know, I guess you could call it the building process. And part of that process is it's, it's twofold. God is building you and I to be more like Him. And then second of all, God allows us in time to build a work for Him, for the Lord Jesus Christ. It's twofold. He's building us. And in turn, we're able to build for Him. We're able to build a life. We're able to build a work for Him that goes all the way through to eternity. Now, within this building process, anyone who's ever done any building, it's not always fun. 
Amen? Like one feller said, uh, we put the word fun in funeral. But anyways, the building process within that process of the Christian life lies a bloody battlefield. And it's littered with the casualties of war, and I hate to say it, but it's littered also with Christian quitters. However, most Christians, I believe, if I think uh, deep down inside of me, I believe that most Christians want to build a life for Jesus Christ. I know there's always a handful of us that fall into our flesh and you, you, just, you don't get the victory half the time. But I believe if you stop and think about it, you do, and this isn't a positive thing. I'm just being honest with you. I think most of you here today want to build a life for Jesus Christ. But here's a problem. When the battle pours on, the injuries begin to increase. Uh, when the battle pours on, the insults begin to increase. Injuries and insults, and then consequently many Christians clear out of the local church, and they, uh, they fly the coop. That's a problem. And uh, I've seen it right here in our little church, and so have you. And uh, believe me, the pressure is real. The pressure of the Christian life is real. Uh, this is not a game. This is eternity we're talking about. We're dealing with the souls of men. And pressure is real. And the pain of the Christian life is real. But what you and I have to remember is that what that old hymn writer said. He said this. He wrote that uh, hymn, Hold the Fort. He said, Mighty men around us falling, courage almost gone. I'm convinced the longer I live, that should be the motto and theme for the latest in church period. Courage almost gone. Not all the way, almost. That should be the theme. But here in Nehemiah chapter 4, the Holy Spirit wants to teach you and I some things about the ardent attack from our opposition. And I'll say this as your preacher this morning, if you're going to build a life for Jesus Christ, you're going to have to learn to mind and master the process of building and battling. Here's the thing, you're going to have to learn to do it at the same time. You're going to have to learn to build and battle at the same time. Now, no man has ever given a piece of ground without battling for it first, further, and finally. We know that the battle is from here till we go home to glory. And we know that the building process is from here till we go home to glory. But instead of sometimes just focusing on the fighting, which we should do, you've got to learn to focus on the building as well as the battling. And you have to learn to do effectively both while keeping the right cause, maintaining your Christian character, and then... Down the road, the more you see it coming, anticipating each crisis. So when it comes to building and battling in the Christian life, a, a number of things are in the text before us today. I want to point some of those out. And when it comes to building and battling, you have to remember, uh, first of all, let me show you this one. If you look at verse number 15, can I just tell you that sometimes the opposition never fully materializes. Sometimes... The opposition never fully materialized. Look, the Bible says here in verse 15, God had brought their counsel to naught. 
You realize that sometimes what gets you all jacked up during the week is not trouble, but it's the anticipation of trouble. <laughs> you know, it's a problem. I, I woke up this morning. Thank God I did. Amen. I woke up this morning, and I had a headache so bad I was, I was walking around like I was an old person. Don't, don't hate me for saying that. I felt like I was just, I was just walking around like this. And, and uh, I went ahead and did what everybody else do, and I took ibuprofen. And then my wife gave me uh, some of her chief two trees voodoo uh, uh, supplement stuff there. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and by the time I got to church, I started to feel just a little bit better. You say, what's that from? You know, you, you got a little ailment or something? I said, it's just anticipate all this stuff. We have gone for a week, and praise the Lord, had a good time. Amen. I'm down over there in West Tennessee, it was 65 degrees. Hated to come back to Michigan, but this is my home, you know. And come back, and, uh, you know, we... Probably just about totaled our car on the way back. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if they'll fix it or just say, you know, don't ever drive that again. And I busted well, and you say, why you got a headache? <laughs> it's anticipation, man. Like, what's next? You ever get that way in your Christian life? I mean, you just run over like by a freight train, and you're like, I'm just going to stay down here because there's another one coming in an hour. <laughs> and, but let me say, remind you, in the process of building a Christian life and battling at the same time, you got to remember that sometimes the opposition never fully materializes. And you see it right in the passage. He brought their counsel to naught. So sometimes you and I get all worked up and all jacked up and jacked out of the frame because we think something bad is going to happen and we fixate it and we don't even enjoy the ride. Amen? Uh, like my parents said when I was a kid, just look out the window and enjoy the scenery. Your parents ever tell you that as kids? Enjoy the scenery. Good grief, I enjoyed so much scenery by the time I was 20. I was sceneried out, amen? But y'all just enjoy the scenery. Uh, there's nothing more uh, uh, aromatherapeutic than getting up in the morning enjoying the smell of your coffee pot. You say, that's stupid. See how you are? See how you are? Just enjoy it. Enjoy it. I mean, if you like espresso or coffee, enjoy the smell that you actually can afford coffee. You have a coffee pot, and you're brewing liquid life, and you're going to be able to start your day off. Of course, I think what my wife brews in the morning smells terrible, but she doesn't like espresso either. So anyways, but, uh, but here's the thing about the trouble. Its intensity winds you up. Its intensity winds you up because uh, look at verse 11. Here's why. It winds you up like an eight-day clock because you don't know when it's coming. Verse 11, they shall not know, neither see. You see it? That gets you. Its intensity winds you up. You don't know when it's coming. Look at verse 11, uh, because it might happen when you least expect it. Till we come in the midst among them. You see that? They're not expecting that. But its intensity winds you up. Uh, not only that, because you might not make it through. That's what you think, right? One more time, one more, one more round of trouble, and I'm done. I'm, I've had enough. And its intensity winds you up, and you're walking on eggshells, and you're, you know, you're just tired of all the trouble. And so you're anticipating the train to come over and run you over. You've got to learn to build and battle at the same time. Its intensity winds you up because sometimes you think that what you've done for Jesus Christ not, may, not, might not make it through either. Look at verse 11 and cause the work to stop. I'm telling you that the opposition never, uh, sometimes, it never fully materializes. And what you get stressed out over is the fact that you're anticipating what never shows up. 
<laughs> its intensity winds you up and its incessance wears you out. Its incessance wears you out. Uh, look at verse 12. Isn't it interesting? Uh, the Bible says here, they said to us ten times. Ten times! It wasn't seven enough. <laughs> Let's go three more. Let's make it ten. I'm telling you, its incessance wears you out. When you see trouble and you hear of trouble, it might not materialize, but simply hearing about it gets you all wound up and wears you out. The threat never seems to end. Look at, uh, it, you, you don't have to turn there, but you know what? The, uh, it can discourage you. Over there in Psalm chapter 42, verse 5, David said, Why art thou down, cast down, O my soul? David was depressed. Christian, you'll get depressed. I don't care how tough you think you are. Eat your Wheaties and all that healthy stuff. It don't matter. You're going to get depressed. Why, why art thou cast down, O my soul? Well, I don't think it's right to be depressed. Well, David was a man after God's own heart. He was depressed. He said, how do you deal with it? Finish the verse, hope thou in God. Put your hope in God. Don't put it in this county. Don't put it in the weather. Don't put it in the building. Don't put it in the man. Hope thou in God. But it can discourage you. Not only that, it can, uh, the incessance of trouble and opposition, you know what it can do? It makes you withdraw from others. Now, this is reality. The longer you live and the more years you get underneath your belt, uh, you'll develop a slick operation. And when trouble comes your way, you'll put on a good front. I think it's just human nature. And then you'll just learn to slip away. And what you'll do is you go to that place where you find comfort. Problem is, the place you go find comfort is not always the place that God wants you to be. 1 Kings 9, chapter 9, you know what uh, Elijah does? He heads over to Juniper Junction. And he has a right to be sorrowful. He has a right to be discouraged because things didn't end up the way that he thought they should have. There was no revival in Israel, even though they just killed 850 prophets of Baal and prophets of the grove. And God showed up. And God answered his, uh, I mean, can you imagine God showing up in a meeting where nothing but a bunch of backslidden reprobates are? You're like, he wouldn't do that today. You sure about that? So he's a, he's a discouraged when he takes off. But the problem is, is he nurses his sorrows too long. You know, I've had to learn in the Christian life over the last few years, there's a couple things that trip your preacher's trigger. And I've had to learn that it's okay to be upset and to be sad about things, but I can't sit there and nurse my sorrows because it takes me to a dark place. I'm just saying when the sorrows come, yes, they're there, and the tears might begin to flow, and that's the point, all right, and all of a sudden the Lord gives you the light, and you got to take the light he gives you and get out. Stop nursing your sorrows. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. Stop being in that place where only you're the only thing that matters in the world. I'm telling you, it'll discourage you. It can make you withdraw from others. And sometimes trouble just seems to come on like a rain that will never end. Well, let me give you number two here. When it comes to building and battling, many times the best fighting unit is simply a unified family. Right through the text, look at here, verse number 13. 
I even set the people after their families. I got this cockeyed thought here, and instead of fighting with your family, maybe ask the Lord if you can fight alongside your family. <laughs> Sometimes the best thing is a unified family. A unified family. I'm telling you what, uh, around these parts, family, they seem pretty thick, you know. Blood's always thicker than the Bible. It is. You say, no, it's not. You don't know what you're talking about. Blood's thicker than the Bible. If, uh, if this Bible uh, contradicts uh, most Christians, they go with their family instead of the Bible. And that's, that's the day and age you and I live in. But the fact is, is the best fighting unit is a unified family. Uh, look at verse number 13. Each family is unique in its setting. In verse number 13, notice there's lower places and higher places. You ever stop and think the place that God has placed your family? There's lower places and higher places. Each family is unique in its setting. I wish everyone would get a hold of this. Uh, every family isn't called to sing. Every family isn't called to build. Every family isn't called to teach. Every family isn't called to clean. You see, every family is unique in its own setting. Let me give you this one. Each family is unique in its own strength. Look at verse 13. You notice with these families, he sets them aside with their swords, their spears, and their bows. Now listen, if you're a superstar, I suppose you could master all three, but generally you're going to master one thing in the Christian life. Now God's not a Calvinist. He'll let you do more than one thing, okay? But notice this. There's some families that are strong with bows, some families that are strong with spears, and some families that are strong with, what's the other one there? Swords. You say, well, what does that even mean? I don't know. How about the sons of Zeruiah? Joab, Abishai, Asahel, First and Second Samuel, they came from a family of slayers. Amen? I mean, they like to kill people. You know, a few Christians like that, spiritually speaking. <laughs> Amen? I mean, don't you know some, some brothers and sisters, and man, they're, fam- <laughs> they're from a line of killers, man, right? Yeah. Look at me the wrong way. Bless God, I'll read the Bible to you. <laughs> Right? And they come from a family of slayers. But man, they sure were good at it, weren't they? I mean, Asahel, the Bible said he was light as a roe, and Abner, that old general, he said, turn back, turn back, turn back, and that, that sucker just chased right after him, and Abner did the old under the fifth rib thing and took him out, wasn't too smart. And then you had Joab, man, he was a master politician, he knew how to get the job done. Every time a problem popped up in the kingdom, he was there to quench it. He killed the king's son, even though David didn't want him to. He killed the king's cousin, Amasa, for waiting around too long. See, many times God called you to do something. You sit there, wait around. You draw all the attention to yourself, and God sends along a Joab and take you out. Each family is unique in its strength. Well, Zariah, the, uh, Joab, and Ab- Abishai, and Asahel came from a line of uh, slayers. Over there, and was it First Chronicles 25, you got the sons of He-Man. Now, when I was a kid, He-Man was the master of the universe. The cartoon little guy ran around in a loincloth and all that. We're not talking about that. He-Man in the Bible had a bunch of sons, and he came from a family of singers. And uh, how would you like to have that as a job? You come to the temple every day. I mean, he came from a line of singers. They weren't slayers, but they were singers. Amen? That's pretty cool, isn't it? I mean, singing probably eight hours a day. I'm reading this book about George Washington. George Washington assigned to the Continental Army. He assigned a band to every brigade. 
and uh, he went to, said he rode through the camps. He said, man, they're so terrible. He ordered them to practice. <laughs> you need to practice more. You stink is basically what he said. He said, and all they end up doing is practice. He had to go around a year later and limit their practice to an hour in the morning, an hour at night. <laughs> but these uh, sons of he-men, they came from a line of singers. You say, what are you saying? Each family is unique in its own strength. You may be a slayer. You may be a singer. How about Mary and Martha and Lazarus? They come from a family of servers. Isn't that interesting? No matter whether you're a slayer, a singer, or a server, God used them all mightily. Can't you see that every family has its own strength? And that's why it's so important as Christians, Christian families, instead of fighting with our families, to realize what God has called us to do in serving Him and fight alongside them. Building and battling increases uh, the trouble, wears you out, and many times the best fighting unit is a unified family. Let me give this one number three. What I see about building and battling in this chapter is anytime, anytime, a little encouragement goes a long way. Look at verse 14. Notice what Nehemiah says to him. Be not ye afraid of them. I don't know about you, in 2024, I am appreciative of encouragement. I am. A little encouragement goes a long way. In verse 14, uh, when you encourage somebody, you ought to remind them of the blessings and the benefits. The Bible says in verse 14, remember the Lord which is great and terrible. When was the last time you uh, just gave someone a little bit of encouragement? I mean, it'll help. It really will. Uh, wife and I went to Dyersburg, Tennessee. That's a great little place. Saw the old Confederate soldier there in downtown Dyer County. Walked the whole place in a minute and a half. Amen. <laughs> cool little place. A lot of history there. They have a big mo monument for the Civil War and World War I and World War II in Korea. Kind of interesting. Kind of got to put a tear in your eye if you think about it. And we went there, of course, uh, to celebrate uh, 27 years of Miss Kern putting up with your preacher. Amen. And we went there and visited our friends, uh, uh, Brother Dennis and Sister Darby. We, didn't, we had no idea. And uh, we encouraged them, though. We didn't know. We didn't go. I hate to say it. We didn't go there and encourage them. Amen. We went there to get away. And we end up encouraging them. What a blessing it is. And I got thinking, when was the last time you just tried to encourage somebody? Right? I was honest about it. Not like, I am praying for you, brother, four times a day. Now, listen. If this, if this offends you, you need to check your offending meter, Okay? I am tired, now there's some people that text me this and this is not meant for them, but I'm tired for the, the texts that say, I prayed for you today. You say, well, that's kind of stupid. Is it really? You know what that does? That draws attention to you. Well, if you meant it with the greatest of sincerity, bless your pee-picking heart, I'm not against you. I'm tired of people saying, I want to let you know I pray for you every single day. And I want to go, Great. How's that working out for you? Why don't you encourage somebody? Go talk to them. Encourage somebody. Go spend time with them. I am praying for you. I am somebody. Okay. Well, maybe that's how you minister to people. But let me tell you what. People that minister to me, they'll spend time with me. 
They'll not just say, I prayed for you today. Check here. <laughs> See what I mean? That thing takes the spotlight and puts it on the person sending the text. Now listen, if you regularly send me that text, you know I'm not talking about you. I have people that live four states away that constantly let me know they're praying for me, and I know why they do it, because God told them to do it. But if, you, if, if you're related to somebody, if you're spiritually related to somebody, your church, and all you can ever do is say, I want to let you know that I prayed for you today. Stop it. Learn to encourage somebody. You're doing all right this morning. Little encouragement goes a long way. Remind them of the blessings and benefits. Remember the Lord, which is great and terrible. And then you might just consider reminding them of their obligations. Look at in verse 14. Verse 14, I see a couple obligations. Your enlisted brethren. How about your loving family? How about your local church? Now listen, we live in a, a generation where family is put above everything else. And I'm thankful for my family. And I have learned things about my family over the last almost 30 years. And I have come from a situation where there was trouble in my family. And now I look back and I say, you know what? I love my family. They're extremely important to me. But my hand's off my family unit because they belong to God. I cannot worship my family. If you get to worship in your family, God will take every last one of them to you trying to get your attention. You say, what a terrible thing to say. I've seen it. If you sit there and worship your family and all you do is take care of your family and you don't take care of what God wants you to take care of in your own Christian life, don't be surprised when your family lets you down. But you need to remind them of the obligations, your enlisted brethren. You and I have an obligation one to another as Christians. Amen? We do. We have an obligation to our, our loving families, our blood our families, and we, have an, uh, we ought to fight for our local church. Fight for your enlisted brethren, fight for your loving family, and fight for your local church. This little building here, uh, beyond uh, the foyer there, that's the part, I believe, that's been there since 1885. All right, so however many building programs they've had, and I hope to God we never have one, amen? Isn't that a blessing about being in a big building we probably will never have to build? Now I had a couple preachers say, now that you said that, the Lord's going to make sure you do, and like, stop it, cut it out. You know how much we'd have to fill? But this, this place is important. You say, why? It's to show this community that God's still doing something. Your car in the parking lot means something. You see that? It's important. I don't know why in 2024, and I'm not trying to beat up on anybody here today, and if, I, and, if, and if I hit your toes, I'm just a bad aim. I'm really aiming for your heart. I don't know why church wouldn't be important to a Christian. If the church is the pillar and ground of truth, and obviously it's very important because you're here this morning, amen, kudos. Uh, it's the pillar and ground of the truth. Isn't that what the Bible says in, uh, was it 1 Timothy chapter 3 or 2 Timothy 3, wherever it's at? Uh, if, if Christ died for the church, the universal church, and if the church is the pillar and ground of the truth, uh, and why, why wouldn't we make a big deal of it then? I'm just speaking logically for a second. I'm, I'm not trying to be right. Why, why wouldn't we take this building serious? Why wouldn't we take each other serious? Right? Objection, overrule, right? Why, why, wouldn't we, uh, why wouldn't we want to see it taken care of? 
you know? Why wouldn't we want to repair things that are slowly falling down out there? Uh, I'm not a builder. <laughs> I know you couldn't tell that. Uh, I can clean carpets. I can cut grass. Uh, you give me a little bit of direction and help, I can do a lot of things. But there's a lot of things in here that I cannot do. Uh, so how are they going to get done? <laughs> I guess we're going to have to let the Lord do it. But I believe he sent people here that have the ability to do it. Uh, you ought to fight for your local church. Uh, I, hopefully this is here in another 20 years. Amen? Say, if this church outlasts you, it's not about outlasting me. I know where I'm going when I die. But what about my kids that come up? What about my grand? What about your grandkids? I mean, if God has fed you here, if God has taken care of you here, if God has allowed you to come here and allowed you to grow through the teaching and the preaching of the Word of God, why wouldn't this place be important? I'm just putting on a defense for a moment. You ought to fight for your listed brethren. You ought to fight for your family. You ought to fight for your local church. And I'm saying anytime a little encouragement goes a long way. Let me give you this one here, number four. All the time... All the time, your attention must be kept upon the work. Of course, we talked about, if you remember the introduction, what we talked about this morning is God is building you, and therefore, within time, he allows you to build something for, the, for him. So the work is not only what you do for him, but more importantly, what he's doing in you. So all the time, your attention must be kept upon the work. Verse number 15. Bible says, we returned all of us to the wall, every one unto his work. And uh, your attention has to be kept on the work. And this is where we get sidetracked as Christians. It's so easy to just let the one week after another go by, and we don't take attention to detail to what God wants to do in our life, and not to mention what he has us to do in the local church. And we let our life go, and when you let your life go, the local church always suffers. But it starts with your life, what God's building inside of you. Now notice this. In verse 17, you keep one hand on your work. One of his hands wrought in the work. One of his hands wrought in the work. That's a constant thing. The work cannot stop. The work in your Christian life cannot stop. You cannot wake up one morning and say, you know what? <laughs> I don't think I need to pray and read today. The work has to go on. You see what I mean? Uh, I mean, you can. Don't get me wrong. You can, but you shouldn't. The work can't stop. And if you stop the work in here, well, this, this will be next. So you see one hand's, you see it in the verse, right? One of his hands wrought in the work. And then you keep one hand on the weapon, verse 17. The other hand held a weapon. So the first part of the day, you might be singing, work for the night is coming, and the rest of the day, you're singing, hold the fort. <laughs> right? You've got to pay attention not only to the work, but the weapon. You've got to do them at the same time. That is building and battling, and it has to go on at the same time. You can't let that thing rest. Well, let me give you this one. Number five, <clears throat> every time you work, You've got to keep your ear open for that trumpet. Every time you work, you keep your ear open for that trumpet. Look at verse number 20. It talks about hearing the sound 
of the trumpet. Now when we work, we work to build a life for Jesus Christ and your own personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, you need to be looking for that blessed hope. You need to have your eyes on Jesus Christ, your ears tuned to that majestic trumpet that will sound one day, and you have to be looking for that blessed hope. You have to be looking for the Lord Jesus Christ, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. You have to be listening for that trumpet. you got to be listening. you got to stay in tune with that. You see, that trumpet, it gathers us together, doesn't it? Don't you believe that, Christian? Don't you believe when the last trump sounds, doesn't it gather us together? Now look at this in verse 20. Talking about the trumpet, resort ye thither unto us. You see, that's the gathering. It's right there. All right, so that trumpet not only gathers us together, but in verse 20, that trumpet grants us total victory. In verse 20, our God shall fight for us. Listen, no matter what you're dealing with right now, when that trumpet sounds, that problem's over. Honestly, when that trumpet sounds, the only difficulty I perceive would be the line for the judgment seat of Christ. I don't know if they're going to have like uh, shiatsu massage chairs and waiting or something, because when it gets to me, y'all going to be a couple years, man. But every problem that you're dealing with right now and any obstacle that you can't overcome, it's done. It's over. It's over. Every time you work, every time you work, you keep your ear open for that trumpet. Let me give you this one, number six. The only time the work should ever stop is, number one, for personal cleansing. Look at verse 23. Everyone put them off for washing. The only time your work for the Lord Jesus Christ should stop is for personal cleansing. You say, what do you mean personal cleansing? All right, you got to put off the old man. You get, up the, you get up in the morning, you got to put off the old man. You get up in the morning, that's Colossians 3, 9, and 10. you got to put on the new man, just like a change of clothes. That's the only time the work should stop while you're putting off the old man and putting on the new. Only time the work should stop is, like Peter says in 2 Peter 1, 14, is when you put off this, my tabernacle, <laughs> when you're done. That's the only time the work should stop. Well, you should, uh, the only time the work should ever stop is for personal cleansing. And how about this one? Verse 21, not only personal cleansing, but when the stars appear. You say, how dumb is that? No, no, look at this. Verse 21, the rising of the morning till the stars appeared. You know, the only reason the work should stop is when that trumpet sounds and when Jesus Christ shows up because he's the real star. Jesus Christ is the real star of the show. It's not you. It's not me. It's not what we're doing here. But Jesus Christ is the real superstar. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, When he shall appear, we shall be like him. The only time the work should stop is for personal cleansing and for when the stars appear. And I'm looking forward to that day, aren't you? When the real star appears. I mean, think about it when we're able to finally sit down in heaven and sit at his feet, and he's able to straighten us out. And there's no more bickering. There's no more complaining. There's no more 
misunderstandings. We just sit down and he teaches us. You say, how long? I have no idea. I'll have a perfect mind, a perfect body. I won't have to worry. About, I won't have to check my flesh. I won't be uncomfortable. I won't be hot. I won't be fat. I won't be thirsty. I won't be ornery. You're like, we won't even know who you are, preacher. <laughs> You'll have none of that. Your ear won't hurt. Your back won't hurt. Your behind won't hurt. You're just sitting there at the feet of Jesus Christ, and you're just taking it all in like a sponge. He's the real star. Building in battle. I'm going to have my son and daughter come. Now is the time, and today is the day to make up your mind that you're going to serve Jesus Christ and to build a work for him and battle your way through it no matter what it takes. The song we're going to sing here this morning is Whatever It Takes to Draw Closer to You. I wonder if you can say that this morning. Remember, Christian, the pressures of life are real. The discouragement in life is real. The heartache of life is real. But the rewards for finishing for Jesus Christ are also real. The satisfaction of pleasing the Lord Jesus Christ and putting a smile on His face and hearing Him say in front of the millions of blood-washed saints, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Listen, keep building, keep battling. When the pressures come, take a knee. When the pressures come, let them pass. Most of them do. When the pressures come, keep swinging the sword and keep swinging the gospel hammer. And when the pressures come, don't lay down the hammer, don't lay down the sword until the trumpet sounds. It's angelic cord. We're taken up from this world terrestrial into world celestial with that symphonic cord of come up hither. What a day that will be. You sing. Altars open.
Father, we thank you again for your goodness and your grace, and thank you, Lord, for a perfect Bible. Thank you, Lord, for the church house that you allowed us to meet here. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you allow us to build a work for you, and build a life for you that goes all the way through to the judgment seat of Christ. Father, we pray you help us as we build and learn the battle. Help us to do them at the same time. Help us to keep our eyes on you. Lord, help us to be listening for the trumpet. Help us, Lord, to be waiting for the real star to appear. And Father, I pray that you give us strength this week, this afternoon. Many things, many decisions have to be made. And Father, I pray that you give us the courage, Lord, the strength and the stamina to move forward and please you with everything that we have. Father, we love you. Thank you for meeting with us this morning. Father, would you uh, be with the prayer request that we've uh, already prayed for this morning? and be with the situation with the church well. Father, we need your guidance. We need your wisdom. Help us now as we leave. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We'll see you tonight.